0: Chapter 11, Part 1 of The Metamorphosis or Golden Ass. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit librivox.org. Recording by Todd Olbreck. The Metamorphosis or Golden Ass by Apuleius, translated by Thomas Taylor. Chapter 11, Part 1 being awakened with a sudden terror about the first watch of the night i beheld the full orb of the moon shining with excessive brightness and just then emerging from the waves of the sea availing myself therefore of the silent secrets of opaque night as i was also well assured that the primary goddess possessed a transcendent majesty and that human affairs were entirely governed by her providence and that not only cattle and wild beasts but likewise things inanimate were invigorated by the divine power of her light and of her deity that the bodies likewise which are in the earth in the heavens and in the sea are at one time increased as she increases and at another time conformably to her decrements are diminished being well assured of this i determined to implore the august image of the goddess then present fate being now satiated with my calamities so many and so great and administering to me the hope of safety though late having therefore immediately shaken off sluggish sleep i rose promptly and cheerfully and directly applied myself to purification by washing with marine water and having merged my head seven times in the waves because according to the divine pythagoras that number is especially adapted to religious purposes i joyfully and readily thus supplicated with a weeping countenance the transcendently powerful goddess queen of heaven whether thou art pure and nourishing ceres the original parent of fruits who rejoicing for the discovery of thy daughter didst banish the savage nutriment of the ancient acorn and exhibiting a milder aliment dost now dwell in the illusian land or whether thou art celestial venus who in the first origin of things didst associate the different sexes through the intervention of mutual love and having propagated an eternal progeny from the human race art now worshipped in paphos which is washed by the surrounding sea or whether thou art the sister of phoebus who by relieving the pains of parturient women by lenient remedies hast delivered into light such a numerous multitude of men and art now venerated in the illustrious temple of ephesus or whether thou art proserpine terrific by nocturnal howlings restraining with a triform face the assaults of spectres closing the recesses of the earth wandering through various groves and propitiated by different modes of worship with that female light of thine illuminating every city and with moist fires nourishing the joyful seeds of plants and through the revolutions of the sun dispensing uncertain light by whatever name by whatever rites, and under whatever form it is lawful to invoke thee graciously succour me in this my extreme calamity support my fallen fortune and grant me rest and peace after the endurance of so many cruel misfortunes let there have been enough of labors let there have been enough of dangers remove from me the dire form of a quadruped restore me to the sight of my kindred restore me to my lucius and if any offended deity oppresses me with inexorable cruelty may it at least be lawful for me to die if it is not lawful for me to live having after this manner poured forth my prayers accompanied by miserable lamentations sleep surrounding me again oppressed my merced mind in the same bed and scarcely had i closed my eyes when behold i saw in a dream a divine form emerging from the middle of the sea and raising a countenance venerable even to the gods themselves afterwards the whole of the most splendid image seem to stand before me, having gradually shaken off the sea. But I will also endeavour to explain to you its admirable form, if the poverty of human language will but afford me the power of an appropriate narration, or if the divinity itself of the most luminous form will supply me with a liberal abundance of fluent diction. In the first place, then, her most copious and long hairs, being gradually entorted and promiscuously scattered on her divine neck, were softly defluous a multiform crown consisting of various flowers bound the sublime summit of her head and in the middle of the crown just on her forehead there was a smooth orb resembling a mirror or rather a white refulgent light which indicated that she was the moon vipers rising up after the manner of furrows environed the crown on the right hand and on the left and cerulean ears of corn were also extended from above Her garment was of many colours and woven from the finest flax, and was at one time lucid with a white splendour, at another yellow from the flower of crocus, and at another flaming with a rosy redness. But that which most excessively dazzled my sight was a very black robe, fulged with a dark splendour, and which, spreading round and passing under her right side, and ascending to her left shoulder, there rose protuberant like the centre of a shield, the dependent part of the robe falling in many folds and having small knots of fringe gracefully flowing in its extremities glittering stars were dispersed through the embroidered border of the robe and through the whole of its surface and the full moon shining in the middle of the stars breathed forth flaming fires nevertheless a crown wholly consisting of flowers and fruits of every kind adhered with indivisible connection to the border of that conspicuous robe in all its undulating motions. What she carried in her hands also consisted of things of a very different nature. For her right hand, indeed, bore a brazen rattle, through the narrow lamina of which, bent like a belt, certain rods passing, produced a sharp triple sound through the vibrating motion of her arm. An oblong vessel, in the shape of a boat, depended from her left hand, on the handle of which, in that part in which it was conspicuous, an asp, raised its erect head and largely swelling neck and shoes woven from the leaves of the victorious palm-tree covered her immortal feet such and so great a goddess breathing the fragrant odour of the shoots of arabia the happy deigned with a divine voice thus to address me behold lucius i who am moved by thy prayers am present with thee i who am nature the parent of things the queen of all the elements the primordial progeny of ages the supreme of divinities the sovereign of the spirits of the dead the first of the celestials and the uniform resemblance of gods and goddesses i who rule by my nod the luminous summits of the heavens the salubrious breezes of the sea and the deplorable silences of the realms beneath and whose one divinity the whole orb of the earth venerates under a manifold form by different rites and a variety of appellations. Hence the primogenial Phrygians call me Pesanuptica, the mother of the gods, the Attic Aborigines, Cecropian Minerva, the floating Cyprians, Phaethian Venus, the arrow-bearing Cretans, Diana Dictina, The three-tongued Sicilians, Stygian porserpini and the Eleusinians, the ancient goddess Ceres. Some also call me Juno, others Bellona, others Hecate, and others Ramnusia, and those who are illuminated by the incipient rays of that divinity, the sun, when he rises, viz., the Ethiopians, the Arii, and the Egyptians skilled in ancient learning, worshipping me by ceremonies perfectly appropriate. Call me by my true name, Queen Isis. Behold, then, I, commiserating thy calamities, am present. Now, through my providence, favoring and propitious, dismiss now tears and lamentations, and expel sorrow. Now, through my providence, the salutary day will shine upon thee. LISTEN, THEREFORE, ATTENTIVELY TO THESE MY MANDATES. THE RELIGION, WHICH IS ETERNAL, HAS CONSECRATED TO ME THE DAY WHICH WILL BE BORN FROM THIS NIGHT, ON WHICH DAY MY PRIESTS OFFER TO ME THE FIRST FRUITS OF NAVIGATION, DEDICATING TO ME A NEW SHIP, WHEN NOW THE WINTER tempests ARE MITIGATED, AND THE STORMY WAVES OF THE DEEP ARE APPEASED, AND THE SEA ITSELF HAS NOW BECOME NAVIGABLE. THAT SACRED CEREMONY YOU OUGHT TO EXPECT, with a mind neither solicitous nor profane. For the priest, being admonished by me, shall bear a rosy crown in his right hand, adhering to the rattle in the very procinct of the pomp. Without delay, therefore, cheerfully follow the procession, when the crowd is dispersed, confiding in my benevolence. When also you approach the priest, gently pluck the roses, as if you intended to kiss his hand, and immediately divest yourself of the hide of that worst of beasts, and which for some time since has been to me detestable. Nor should you fear anything pertaining to my concerns as difficult. For in this very same moment of time in which I come to you, being there also present, I order my priest in a dream to do those things which are to be done hereafter. By my command the thick crowd of people shall afford you room to pass through them, nor amidst the joyful ceremonies and festive spectacles shall any one abhor that deformed figure which you bear, or malignantly accuse you by putting a sinister construction on the sudden change of your form. Only remember, and always retain it deposited in the penetralia of your mind, that the remaining course of your life must be dedicated to me, even to the boundaries of your last breath nor is it unjust that you should owe your whole life to that goddess by whose assistance you will return to the human form but you will live happy you will live glorious under my protection and when having passed through the allotted space of your life you descend to the realms beneath there also in the subterranean hemisphere you dwelling in the elysian fields shall frequently adore me whom you now see and shall there behold me shining amidst the darkness of Acheron, reigning in the Stygian Penetralia, and being propitious to you. Moreover, if you shall be found to deserve the protection of my divinity by sedulous obedience, religious services, and inviolable chastity, you shall know that it is possible for me alone to extend your life beyond the limits appointed to it by your fate. The venerable oracle, being thus finished, the invincible goddess receded into herself. And without delay, I, being liberated from sleep, immediately arose, seized with fear and joy, and in an excessive perspiration, and in the highest degree admiring so manifest an appearance of the powerful goddess. Having sprinkled myself with marine dew, and intent on her great commands, I revolved in my mind the order of her mandates. Shortly after, too, the golden sun arose, And put to flight the darkness of black night when behold a crowd of people filled all the streets with a religious and perfectly triumphant procession all things likewise independent of my peculiar joy seemed to me to exult with such great hilarity that i might have thought that cattle of every kind every house and even the day itself rejoiced with a serene countenance for a bright and placid day suddenly succeeded to the frost of the preceding day so that the tuneful birds also sang sweetly allured by the tepid heat of the spring and with bland warbling soothed the mother of the stars the parent of the ages and the mistress of the whole world the very trees likewise both those which were prolific with fruit and those which were barren and only offered a shade being relaxed by the southern breezes and delighted with the germination of their leaves produced through the gentle motion of the branches sweetly whistling sounds and the sea the loud crashing noise of its storms being appeased and the turbid swelling of its waves having subsided softly washed the shore but the heavens the cloudy darkness being dispersed were bright with the clear and serene splendour of their own proper light behold then the preludes of the great pomp gradually proceeded "'beautifully adorned, conformably to the votive diligence "'of every one concerned in the procession. "'This man, being girded with a belt, represented a soldier. "'That, being clothed with a short cloak "'and carrying scimitars and javelins, was adorned like a hunter. "'Another, having golden socks on his feet, "'being clothed with a silken garment and precious female ornaments, "'and with false hair on his head, "'assumed the appearance of a woman by his gliding step.' BUT ANOTHER WAS REMARKABLE BY HIS BOOTS, HIS SHIELD, HIS HELMET, AND HIS SWORD, AND YOU WOULD HAVE THOUGHT THAT HE CAME FROM THE SCHOOL OF THE GLADIATORS, NOR WAS THERE WANTING ONE WHO REPRESENTED A MAGISTRATE BY THE fasces AND THE PURPLE VESTS, NOR ONE WHO feigned HIMSELF TO BE A PHILOSOPHER BY HIS CLOAK, HIS STAFF, AND HIS SLIPPERS, AND HIS GOATISH BEARD, NOR THOSE WHO WITH DISSIMILAR REEDS REPRESENTED THE ONE A FOWLER WITH BIRD LIME, THE OTHER A FISHERMAN WITH HIS HOOK i also saw a tame bear which was carried on a bench in a matronal dress and an ape with a woven hat on its head and clothed with a phrygian garment of a saffron colour carrying in its hand a golden cup and representing the shepherd ganymede and likewise an ass to which wings were agglutinated and which walked near to a certain old man so that you would have said the one was bellerophon and the other pegasus and nevertheless you would have laughed at both During these ridiculous amusements of the people who wandered about everywhere, the peculiar pomp of the saviour-goddess advanced. Women, splendid in white garments, expressing their joy by various gestures, and adorned with vernal crowns, scattered from their bosom flowers on the ground through the path in which the sacred crowd walked. Others, with mirrors placed behind their backs, showed to the goddess the obsequiousness of the crowd, as if it had come for the purpose of meeting her. There were also others who, carrying ivory combs, imitated the adornment and combing of royal hairs by the motion of their arms and the inflection of their fingers. And there were likewise others who sprinkled the streets with drops of genial balsam and other ointments. Besides this, there was a great multitude of men and women who propitiated the goddess, the offspring of the celestial stars, by lamps, torches, wax-lights, and other kinds of artificial light afterwards sweet symphonies resounded from the most delightful modulations of pipes and flutes a pleasant choir of the most select youths in splendid white garments every way closed followed them frequently singing an elegant song which an ingenious poet had composed through the favour of the muses and which explained the meaning of the procession pipers also consecrated to the great serapis preceded among those musicians whose songs were antecedent to the greater vows and sung the accustomed modulation pertaining to the god and his temple, the oblique pipe being extended to the right ear. And there were likewise precursors, who proclaimed that convenient room would be given for the sacred procession to pass. After this there was an influx of a crowd of those who had been initiated in the sacred rites of the goddess, consisting of men and women of every degree and of every age, resplendent with the pure whiteness of linen garments the women had their anointed hair enfolded in a pellucid covering but the men had their hair perfectly shaven and the crown of their head was exceedingly bright these terrine stars also of the great religion of the goddess produced a sharp sound from the brazen silver and likewise golden rattles which they held in their hands but those principal men that presided over the sacred rites and who were clothed in a close-drawn garment of white linen hanging down to the extremities of their feet "'carried the most illustrious spoils of the most powerful gods, "'and of these the first exhibited a lamp shining with a clear light, "'not resembling those lamps of ours which illuminate nocturnal banquets, "'but it was a golden boat-cup which emitted a larger flame "'from an aperture in the middle. "'The second was clothed in a similar manner, "'but carried in both his hands altars "'to which the auxiliary providence of the supreme goddess gave a proper name.' the third proceeded, raising a palm-tree the leaves of which were subtly gilt and also the mercurial caduceus the fourth exhibited the symbol of equity viz a left hand fashioned from the palm or inner part expanded which seems to be more adapted to equity than the right hand because it is naturally sluggish and is endued with no craft and no subtlety the same person also carried a golden vessel which was round like the female breast and from which he poured forth milk. The fifth bore a golden corn-fan full of golden branches, and another carried an amphora. In the next place, without delay, the images of the gods carried by the priests of Isis proceeded, not disdaining to walk with the feet of men. This terrifically raising a canine head, but that being the messenger of the supernal gods and of those in the realms beneath, with an erect face partly black, and partly of a golden colour, bearing in his left hand a caduceus, and shaking in his right hand branches of the flourishing palm-tree, whose footsteps a cow in an erect position immediately followed. This cow was the prolific resemblance of the all-parent goddess, and was carried on the shoulders of one of the blessed servants of this divinity, and who acted the part of a mimic as he walked another carried a cista or chest containing arcana and perfectly concealing the mystic symbols of a magnificent religion and another bore in his happy bosom the venerable effigies of the supreme divinity which was not similar to any cattle or bird or wild beast, nor even to man but was venerable for the subtlety by which it was invented and also for its novelty was an ineffable indication of a more sublime religion and which was to be concealed in the greatest silence. But this effigies was fashioned after the following manner. There was a small urn, formed of splendid gold, most artificially excavated, the bottom of which was very round, and which was externally engraven with the admirable images of the Egyptians. The orifice of this urn, which was not much elevated, was extended into a prominent rivulet. But a handle adhered to the side opposite to the orifice, and receded from the urn by a spacious dilatation on this handle an asp sat raising its neck which was scaly wrinkled and tumid and embraced it with one fold of its body and behold the benefits and the destiny which the most powerful goddess had promised to me approached and the priest was present bringing with him my salvation and adorned in a manner conformable to what the divinity had previously announced in his right hand he carried the rattle of the goddess which was to me a crown and by hercules a crown by a necessary consequence because through the providence of the greatest goddess i vanquished the opposition of most cruel fortune after having encountered so many labors and so many dangers nevertheless i did not run violently though i was agitated by a sudden joy fearing lest the tranquil order of religion should be disturbed by the hasty impetus of a quadruped but i hesitatingly passed through the crowd with a quiet and perfectly human step and with a gradual oblication of my body the people giving way to me through the interference of the goddess by the priest as i might very well perceive recollecting the nocturnal oracle and admiring the congruity of the office which he was commanded to perform immediately stood still and spontaneously extending his right hand presented to my mouth a crown of roses then i trembling and my heart leaping with continual palpitation devoured with great desire and a greedy mouth the shining crown in which delightful roses were interwoven nor did the celestial promise deceive me for immediately my deformed and brutal figure left me and in the first place indeed my squalid hair fell off and afterwards my thick skin became attenuated my broad belly became narrow and the soles of my feet passed into toes through my hooves my hands are no longer feet but are extended to their erect offices my long neck is shortened my face and my head become round my enormous ears are restored to their pristine parvitude my stony teeth return to those of a human size and the tail which before especially tormented me was nowhere to be found the people admire and the religious venerate so evident an indication of the power of the supreme divinity and the magnificence and facility of my restoration which resembled the nocturnal images in my dreams extending likewise their hands to the heavens they proclaimed with a clear and unanimous voice such an illustrious benefit of the goddess but i being fixed in excessive astonishment remained silent my mind not being capable of receiving a joy so sudden and so great and i was dubious what i should first and principally say whence i should assume the beginning of a new voice and more happily commence my speech as my tongue was now restored to me and in what magnificent language i should return thanks to so great a goddess the priest however who through the divine admonition knew all my calamities from the beginning though he himself also was astonished by that remarkable miracle, having first signified his wish by a nod, ordered that a linen garment should be given to me for the purpose of covering my nakedness. For as soon as the ass had despoiled me of my abominable vesture, I well fortified myself with a natural covering as much as it was possible for one who is naked to do by closely compressing my thighs and carefully placing my hands over my private parts. Then one of the religious cohort, having promptly divested himself of his upper garment, most rapidly covered me with it, which being done, the priest, with a joyful countenance, and by Hercules, astonished at my now human aspect, thus addressed me. O Lucius, you have at length arrived at the port of quiet and the altar of pity, having endured many and various labours and great tempests of fortune, and been tossed about by mighty waves of calamity.' nor did the nobility of your race nor your dignity nor even the learning in which you abound at all benefit you but falling into servile pleasures through the lubricity of flourishing youth you have brought back an inauspicious reward of your unhappy curiosity the blindness of fortune however while she has tormented you by the worst of dangers has brought you by her improvident malignity to this religious beatitude let her now go and rage with the greatest fury and let her search for some other subject for her cruelty for hostile misfortune has no power over those whose service the majesty of our goddess vindicates to itself what advantage has iniquitous fortune derived from robbers from wild beasts from servitude from the various circuits of the roughest paths and from the fear of death to which you were daily exposed you are now therefore received into the protection of fortune but of the fortune that can see and who also illuminates the other gods with the splendor of her light assume now a more joyful countenance and more adapted to that white garment which you wear attend the pomp of your savior goddess with triumphant steps let the irreligious see let them see and acknowledge their error behold lucius rejoicing in the providence of the great isis and freed from his pristine miseries triumphs in his own fortune nevertheless that you may be more safe and better protected become one of this holy order which you will hereafter rejoice that you embraced and now dedicate yourself to the service of our religion and voluntarily subject yourself to the yoke of this ministry for when you have once entered into the service of the goddess you will then, in a greater degree, enjoy the fruit of your liberty. The excellent priest, having thus prophesied, and breathing with difficulty, was silent. End of chapter 11, part 1. Read by Todd Albrecht.